This week on Have You Felt Like Giving Up Lately? So many of the heroes of the Bible could rightly be called failures. Take David, for example. He committed adultery, sent Bathsheba's husband to the front lines to face a likely death, and gave Israel's many enemies who cursed God ammunition for further blasphemy. David was the picture of failure. In chapter 9 of Have You Felt Like Giving Up Lately, the late David Wilkerson tells us that God uses broken men and women to fulfill His purposes, and He can do the same for you. Have You Felt Like Giving Up Lately is brought to you by World Challenge, a ministry that strives to help all mankind live a better life and make a better world through Jesus Christ. Your support makes a difference. We would not be able to create podcasts like this one without generous listeners like you. Please consider joining our donors who believe in World Challenge's mission. You can give on our website, worldchallenge.org. Thank you for making this and other World Challenge resources possible. Now, Chapter 9 of Have You Felt Like Giving Up Lately, read by Jason Staples. I feel so ashamed of myself when I think back over my early ministry, because I condemned so many sincere people. I meant well, and often my zeal was honest and well-meaning. But how many people I brought under terrible condemnation because they didn't conform to my ideas of holiness. Years ago, I preached against makeup on ladies. I preached against short dresses. I condemned everything that was not on my legitimate list. I have preached some very powerful sermons in the past, condemning homosexuals, divorcees, drinkers, and compromisers. I am still deeply committed to the idea that ministers must cry out against the inroads of sin and compromise in the lives of Christians. I still don't like to see Christian women painted up like streetwalkers. I still don't like mini dresses. I believe more than ever that God hates divorce. I am still committed to the idea that God will not wink at any sin or compromise of any kind. But lately, God has been urging me to quit condemning people who have failed and instead preach to them a message of love and reconciliation. Why? Because the church today is filled with Christians who are burdened down with mountains of guilt and condemnation. They don't need more preaching about judgment and fear. They're already filled with enough fear and anxiety. They don't need to hear a preacher tell them how mad God is with them. They're already too much afraid of God's wrath. They need to hear the message John preached in John 3.17. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. It amazes me that we ministers are so willing to go to Africa to preach forgiveness to the heathen, but so unwilling to preach forgiveness and reconciliation to Christians at home. One minister complained to me about all the divorced, broken, troubled people in his new assignment. I thought, my brother, you ought to be thankful God put you in such a fertile field. Those are the people who need your help the most. They need a man of God to show them how to begin anew. The church offers comfort and solace to all those who are innocent victims, and rightly so. But what about all the perpetrators, the sinners, the ones who wronged innocent loved ones? If one out of every two marriages ends in divorce, that means millions of husbands and wives are the guilty parties. I'm not willing to give up even on the guilty ones. The thief Christ forgave at Calvary was not an innocent victim. No, he was a perpetrator. He was the criminal. But in his sin, he turned to Christ in faith. He was forgiven and taken with Christ to glory. Are you living under condemnation? Have you sinned against the Lord? Have you grieved the Holy Spirit in your life? 
Are you waging a losing battle with an overpowering temptation? All you need to do is search God's word and you will discover a God of mercy, love, and endless compassion. David said in Psalm 130, 3-4, If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. A distraught woman who had come to my office sobbed. Mr. Wilkerson, once God cured me of alcoholism, but recently I got discouraged and went back to drink. Now I can't stop. I've failed the Lord so badly that all I can do is give up. After all he did for me, look how I've failed him. It's no use. I'll just never make it. I'm convinced there are more spiritual failures than many of us realize. There is a demonic strategy to build such failures into walls to keep the defeated ones far from God. But we don't need to let the devil turn our temporary defeats into a permanent hell. I believe there are literally millions of people, like the young sailor who came to see me. With tears in his eyes, he said, My dad is a minister, but I've failed him so terribly. I'm so weak. I'm afraid I'll never serve the Lord as I should. I'm so easily led into sin. Confessions such as these are tragic. But I have found great encouragement in the realization that some of the greatest men and women of the Bible had times of failure and defeat. Would you consider Moses a failure? Hardly. He was to Israel what Washington and Lincoln together were to America, and much more. But look closely at the great lawgiver's life. His career began with a murder, followed by 40 years of hiding from justice. Moses was a man of fear and unbelief. When God called him to lead the Israelites out of slavery, he pleaded, I am not eloquent. I am slow of speech. Send by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. This angered God. All his life, Moses longed to enter the promised land, but his failures kept him out. Even so, God compares Moses' faithfulness to Christ's. His failures did not keep Moses out of God's hall of champions. Hebrews 3, 1-2 says, Consider Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. We usually think of Jacob as the great prayer warrior who wrestled with the angel of the Lord and prevailed. Jacob was given a vision of heaven with angels ascending and descending. Yet this man's life was filled with glaring failures, and Scripture does not hide any of them. As a youth, Jacob deceived his blind father to steal his brother's inheritance. Married, he despised his wife Leah, while he nursed a great secret love for her sister Rachel. He did not accept his responsibility as a husband. After the birth of each man-child, Leah kept saying what she says in Genesis 29:34, Now this time will my husband be jointed unto me. But the fact was that Jacob hated her. Here was a man caught in a web of trickery, graft, theft, unfaithfulness, and polygamy. Nevertheless, we still worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. King David Singer of psalms and mighty warrior, delighted in the law of the Lord and posed as the righteous man who would not stand among sinners. Yet how shocking are the weaknesses of this great man. 
Taking Bathsheba from her husband, Uriah, he sent that unsuspecting man to his death at the front lines of his army. The prophet Nathan declared that this double sin gave great occasion for the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Picture the great king standing by the casket of his dead, illegitimate child, a stolen wife at his side, and a world filled with enemies who cursed God because of his notorious sins. David stood there, a total failure. Yet God called David a man after his own heart. He blessed the murderer Moses and the schemer Jacob too, because these men learned how to profit from their failures and go on to victory. If you are discouraged by your failures, I have good news for you. No one is closer to the kingdom of God than the man or woman or young person who can look defeat in the eye, learn to face it, and move on to a life of peace and victory. Don't be afraid of failure. This seems like an automatic reaction. When Adam sinned, he tried to hide from God. When Peter denied Christ, he was afraid to face him. When Jonah refused to preach to Nineveh, his fear drove him into the ocean to flee the presence of the Lord. But God has shown me a truth that has helped me many times. Something much worse than failure is the fear that goes with it. Adam, Jonah, and Peter ran away from God, not because they lost their love for him, but because they were afraid he was too angry with them to understand. Satan uses such fear to make people think there is no use trying. That old accuser of the brethren waits like a vulture for you to fail in some way. Then he uses every lie in hell to make you give up, to convince you that God is too holy, or that you are too sinful to come back. Or he makes you afraid you are not perfect enough, or that you will never rise above your failure. It took 40 years to get the fear out of Moses and to make him usable in God's program. Meanwhile, God's plan of deliverance had to be delayed for nearly half a century while one man learned to face his failure. If Moses or Jacob or David had resigned himself to failure, we might never again have heard of these men. Yet Moses rose up again to become one of God's greatest heroes. Jacob faced his sins, was reunited with the brother he had cheated, and reached new heights of victory. David ran into the house of God, laid hold of the horns of the altar, found forgiveness and peace, and returned to his finest hour. Jonah retraced his steps, did what he had refused at first to do, and brought a whole city-state to repentance and deliverance. Peter rose out of the ashes of denial to lead a church to Pentecost. Despite failure, keep moving on. It is always after a failure that a man does his greatest work for God. 21 years ago, I sat in my little car weeping. I was a terrible failure, I thought. I had been unceremoniously dumped from a courtroom after I thought I was led by God to witness to seven teenage murderers. I had seen my picture in the tabloids over the caption, Bible-waving preacher interrupts murder trial. My attempt to obey God and to help those young hoodlums looked as though it were ending in horrible failure. I shudder to think of how much blessing I would have missed if I had given up in that dark hour. How glad I am today that God taught me to face my failure and go on to his next step for me. I know of two outstanding men of God, both of whom had ministered to thousands of people who fell into the sin David committed with Bathsheba. One minister decided he could not go on. Today, he drinks and curses the Christ he once preached about. 
the other man repented and started all over. He now heads an international missions program that reaches thousands for Christ. His failure has been left behind. He keeps moving forward. In my work with narcotics addicts and incorrigibles, I have observed that the majority of those who return to their old habits become stronger than all the others when they face their failures and return to the Lord. They have a special awareness of the power of Satan, a total rejection of confidence in the flesh. Despite failure, continue to worship. There was only one way for Moses to stay in victory, because he had a disposition like so many of us today. He continually communed with the Lord, as it says in Exodus 33.11, face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. Moses maintained that close relationship with God. I believe the secret of holiness is very simple. Stay close to Jesus. Keep looking into his face until you become like the image you behold. One evening, a hysterical woman stopped me on the street and blurted out a terrible confession. Clutching my sleeve so hard I thought she would tear it, she said, Mr. Wilkerson, I am facing the darkest hour of my life. I don't know which way to turn. My husband has left me and it's all my fault. When I think of how I failed God and my family, it is almost impossible for me to sleep at night. What in the world am I going to do? I was moved to tell her, My friend, lift up your hands right now on this street corner and begin to worship the Lord. Tell him you know you are a failure, but you still love him. Then go home and get on your knees. Don't ask God for a thing. Just lift your heart and your hands and worship him. I left that lady standing on the street corner with her hands raised to heaven, tears rolling down her cheeks, praising the Lord and already tasting the victory that was beginning to surge back into her life. Now let me talk about your failure. Is there trouble in your home? Has some despised habit gripped your life so hard you can't seem to break it? Are you tormented in mind or spirit? Has God told you to do something you have failed to do? Are you out of the will of God? Are you hounded by memories of what you were at one time or by visions of what you can be? Then worship the Lord in the midst of your failure. Praise Him. Exalt Him. All this may sound like an oversimplification, but the way past failure is simple enough for children, fools, and PhDs to follow successfully. Christ says in John 6.37, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And in Matthew 11.28, Come unto me, all ye failures, that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Don't be afraid of failure. Keep going on in spite of it. Worship God until victory comes. The hardest part of faith is the last half hour. Keep going, and you will yet face your finest hour. You've been listening to Chapter 9 of Have You Felt Like Giving Up Lately? Read by Jason Staples. This podcast is brought to you by World Challenge. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners with biblical encouragement and thoughtful commentary. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. You can donate at worldchallenge.org. Thank you for listening and supporting. On the next episode of Have You Felt Like Giving Up Lately? 
when you don't know what to do. Until then, we pray that you find hope and healing in the midst of discouragement.